Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, first let me wish you all a Merry Christmas. Our Christmas may be different this year. Uh, what can we do? We, we've got to take what comes and accept it. Uh, most of us are going to be without family because of the coronavirus. We're going to have to have our own private Christmases. That is, if we're following the restrictions or listening to the uh, medical experts on how to handle this. Uh, since I'm into my, today's my 322nd day uh, in self-quarantine, I, I'm beginning to smile. I think I'm getting a little crazy in the head. I've been in a long time. I don't, I'm beginning not to like it. i got to be honest. Uh, you can only read so many books and write so many blogs and work on so many books. Anyhow, uh, it'll still be Christmas. I want to talk about Christmas tonight. Uh, I want to share with you the story of Christmas as I believe it developed and became what it is today. Uh, normally at Christmas time, we'd be sitting back in a joyous, festive mood, thankful for family and friends, pleased by gifts and food. Not going to have any of those this year if you follow the rules, okay? And I might also add, uh, we might believe that Christmas in the United States has always been such that Christmas, as we know it, always existed. You may be shocked. It did not. It did not. It did not. Let's see. Uh, let's go back to the Puritans. Remember the Puritans? Those hardy immigrants from England to the shores of Massachusetts. Those who gave us Thanksgiving. Christmas they did not give to us. Hear me again. Christmas they did not give to us. They took Christmas away from us. The, they, the Puritans were the earliest Scrooges of record. From 1659 to 1681, Christmas was outlawed in Boston by the Puritans. They believe, I laugh at this because the Puritans came over to this country seeking religious freedom, and now they're blocking it out to uh, certain other people. By the Puritans, they believed that Christmas was not consistent with their Puritan ideas and religious reforms. So one of their acts was to abolish Christmas. No more. Christmas remained a no-no through the American Revolution. George Washington didn't even celebrate Christmas. The English influence in the colonies prevailed. Christmas could not regain its foothold. A few years after the Revolution, the colonists, rid of the English influence, started celebrating Christmas, but it was not Christmas as we know it. The early 1800s found Christmas being celebrated in a bit of a rowdy fashion, much like Mardi Gras Fantasy Fest. Then came a couple of books which influenced the situation. The first was by Washington Irving. It's in 1809, he wrote The Sketchbook of Geoffrey Crayon. It portrayed Christmas as a peaceful, loving holiday. Many attribute Irving's novel as setting the mood for present-day Christmas. Irving actually created with words, Christmas Day as we know and celebrate it today. He mentally conceived his concept of Christmas, made it up in his head, and wrote it on paper. Christmas to that point had not been as he portrayed it, nor as we understand it. About the same time, there was another writing, 
A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. This, too, captured the American imagination. During the 1830s, several southern states legalized December 25, Christmas Day, as a legal holiday. The first was Alabama in 1836. The South continued to favor and celebrate Christmas up to the time of the Civil War. Whereas the North, this is interesting, the North basically paid little attention to the day Christmas had become a Southern thing. Now comes the Civil War. Lincoln wanted to demoralize the Confederate troops. He was a bit of a snake, Abraham. He wanted to show that the South Santa Claus was on the side of the North. He authorized a famous artist late in 1862 to do a writing of Santa Claus watching over Union troops. The picture was on the front cover of a January 3, 1863 prominent national magazine. It was sort of a God is on our side thing. Some believe it achieved Lincoln's desired effect. President Ulysses S. Grant is given credit for making Christmas a national holiday. I question the accuracy of the representation. Because in 1870, Grant signed a bill into law regarding Christmas Day. The new law read that Christmas, and I quote, shall be a holiday within the District of Columbia. Now, we all know the District of Columbia is not the whole of the United States. However, Grant is usually given credit for making Christmas a national holiday by that act. The last state to legalize Christmas as a legal holiday was Oklahoma in 1907. I suspect it was the combination of Grant signing regarding the District of Columbia and all the states legalizing the holiday that finally made Christmas Day a national holiday. Christmas Day received a further boost, 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 boost by the 1897 editorial in the Sun of New York. We all know it. Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Christmas was practiced and recognized as a holiday through World War II. For whatever reason, it received its most gigantic step forward recognition and celebration-wise following World War II. Everyone got into the act after the war, maybe because people were happy and grateful to have one. So that is a reflection of my notes on, on Christmas Day from a legal perspective. There, There's another part to Christmas Day that I'll probably save for next year because it would, the whole show would have been Christmas, and the, some of these things are hard to believe that I would share with you. Uh, actually, Christmas comes to us from the Druids in Germany centuries ago, and it was a pagan holiday celebrated as such. And it was only later on uh, when the Catholic Church was in need, and this was only about 350 A.D., uh, wanted to enlarge its enrollment, its membership, and the, uh, this pagan group, the Druids, were looking for uh, somebody to join with to increase their numbers. So would you believe this? The Catholic Church and the pagan group from Germany got together, signed a pact, and became one. The pagans joined the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church said you can do what you want. And over a period of time, of course, the paganism died out, and we have Christmas as a religious thing today. But it wasn't always such. 
It was a pagan thing, drinking, sex, men chasing women through the woods. Everything was in the woods. Uh, What we see is the Christmas tree today was a tall, big tree with a a wide body to it. Uh, The mistletoe was a branch off a tree. Uh, it's, It's an interesting story. Next year we'll do that one. Okay, now, moving on. We're going to January 6th. January 6th is the day when the Congress of the United States uh, must certify the election results. This is the last step in the procedure, in the process. Uh, I didn't know we had all these steps before this year, and I'm sure most of you didn't. Where you got to certify this, you got to certify that, then this group certifies, and this one's got to certify. Because they're pres- uh, Biden's our president. Harris is our vice president, but we got to go through all the this formal dance uh, for certifications. Uh, it's going to be in Washington on the floor of Congress. Uh, be careful. We have to be careful because Trump and his people uh, are it's their last chance, and they're going to play a game. Uh, apparently, the certification can be avoided. Uh, it only takes one member from each house, the House and the Senate, to do it. Uh, this happened once in our history back in the 18, late 1860s or 1870s, and it didn't last more than a day. It could happen here. It goes no place because there's no grounds for it to set aside this election. Uh, after 60 lawsuits, of which <laughs> Trump only won one, 59 judges or courts said, you got nothing to go with. There, we don't find any fraud here. We don't find any election ballot stuffing or anything like that. But we're going to have to go through that. And we know we're going to go through it because Trump has been asking the last two weeks for his people to come to Washington, D.C. on January 6th and to protest before Congress this certification to show that they don't believe that Biden was properly elected president and that his election should be set aside. So we're going to have to watch that day, which is a Donald Trump day, and I'm sure there's going to be thousands, because Trump has thousands of supporters. Can't deny it. Half the country is Trump. Half the country is is Democratic or for Biden. Not going to be a nice day, but another one we have to go through. Uh, Interesting. Interesting, interesting. One of the problems we've had in the United States in recent months is to enforce the restrictions that a state, a county, a city might pass. You know, uh, you must wear a mask if you're in a bar or restaurant. Then you must wear a mask if you're on the street. And people say, a lot of people say, I don't have to wear a mask. I'm an American, and it's my right to say no to wearing a mask. Uh, they, they forget that they're protecting everybody else, not just themselves. Uh, and social distancing, they don't follow it. Uh, California's in a bad way right now. They, they are the worst-hit state in the union uh, today. And Governor Newsom, about two weeks ago, came up with a new set of restrictions, and he had to because people are dying. Coronavirus numbers are out of sight every day. And uh, he, he want these restrictions or law, and he expected them to be supported uh, by local police. Well, the sheriff of 
Los Angeles County, the biggest county in California. He says, I'm not going to arrest anybody for this. They're all my friends. I'm not going to make criminals out of them because they don't wear a mask, all right, or they don't want to social distance. Uh, and then some other sheriff's departments did the same thing in California, and we've seen it here in this country. In Key West, several months ago, our city commission was passing uh, ordinances that People had to wear masks in the bar. Uh, they had to keep the social distancing. Uh, now they have to wear it on the streets, the mask. No one has been enforcing these laws, these, these restrictions, until this past week in Key West. Now the police are on the street because it's getting bad down here, too, in Key West. Uh, we, are, we have the most coronavirus cases uh, by about three to four to one of any city in the Florida Keys. Uh, so, because everybody comes down here to party, it isn't the locals. It's the pe- we stay in. <laughs> it's the locals, the free uh, people from Northern Florida, from Miami-Dade County, which is the worst in the country, uh, who come down here to, to play play on the weekends because they can drink booze, etc., and have a good time. That are infecting themselves and others when they go home, and also leaving the infection around uh, some places that locals might go to. But the locals generally are good here. We're staying in. I got to tell you this: it's the the uh, people from out of town that are causing the problem. And because our business people have have had a great influence on our city commission, the city commission has danced to their tune. Got to keep the bars open. Got to keep people working. Uh, so it's been bad, and I just don't understand why our people people of America, American people, can't follow a simple law. I mean, you wear a seatbelt, don't you? <laughs> uh, you do, do you do 100 miles an hour on a highway? No. These things are against the law. If you do, you're going to get arrested for sure. But these things are basically against the law, and people follow the rules. So simple. So simple to wear a mask. But people don't want to do it because we are spoiled as a society. The American people are spoiled as a society. They don't want anyone telling them what they can do. Well, how many people have died in this country so far? 30,000? More than, I think, 32,000 as of today. Ridiculous. They don't think of their neighbors. They don't think of other people. They only think of themselves. And Trump has been no help because he didn't wear a mask. And if the president don't wear a mask, Why do I have to wear a mask? So now let me tell you about a little country uh, that took the problem, grabbed the problem by its testicles, if you excuse me, and how they enforce their uh, restrictions due to coronavirus. I'm talking about the Cayman Islands, not a very big nation, Cayman Islands. An American girl, 18 years old, was down there vacationing. Uh, Her boyfriend was a 26-year-old Cayman Island uh, resident. Uh, Because she came from a foreign country under the laws of the Cayman Islands, she had to be quarantined for 14 days before she could go out and enjoy the Cayman Islands. And she was doing it, except the day came when her boyfriend, he uh, he he was participating in a jet ski race. She wanted to see the jet ski race, so she broke quarantine 
went to the jet ski race. She was gone seven hours. Somehow she got caught. I don't know how, but somebody turned her in, or I don't know what happened. Maybe the police questioned her because she was a foreigner uh, to see how long she'd been there. But she gets arrested, and her boyfriend gets arrested. She gets arrested for breaking quarantine. He gets arrested for aiding and abetting her to break quarantine. They have a trial. The judge finds them guilty. He finds them, and he gives them community service. In the Cayman Islands, if the prosecutor is not satisfied with the penalty, he can appeal the penalty. The prosecutor appealed the penalty here. His position was the judge who only gave a fine and community service was too lenient. We needed a stronger, he felt the Cayman Islands required a stronger penalty to act as a deterrent to others to pay attention to their rules. So now they had to be resentenced. And God bless the Cayman Islands. They each got four months in jail. <laughs> four months. Can you imagine if we sent anyone to jail for four months there in this country for doing what she did? But don't you think the people in the Cayman Islands understand how serious this is? If they didn't before, they understand it for real now. Uh, we, had a, we had a situation here in Key West. About two weeks ago, there was a, a local, uh, from some community in northern Florida, a local political leader in the community, uh, about 60 years old, now a fire commissioner. He was down here for a weekend with some friends, and they were partying. And they're walking on the streets not wearing masks. And we had police officers on the streets two weeks ago saying, please, sir, wear a mask. And if you don't have one, I have a free one here for you. And this guy refused. He was the fire commissioner from his community now. He refused to wear a mask. And the officer politely says, you have to wear a mask. And the guy turned around and said, I'm not going to do it. Don't bother me. And started walking away. The police officer, God bless him, arrested the fire commissioner. Can you imagine? It was a big deal in the paper, and I'm sure a big deal back home. But this is what must be done because we're, we are everyone's keeper. We are each responsible for our neighbors and the people around us as well as ourselves. And we can't do it unless we follow the law. Let me go now to something that's disgusting. Uh, we all know that 48 years ago, uh, Joe Biden's first wife and one of his daughters were killed in an automobile accident. They are buried at the Brandywine Roman Catholic Church Cemetery in Wilmington, Delaware, Biden's home community. We know that Biden is a serious Catholic. He goes to Mass every Sunday. I assume communion most of those days. He's considered a good Catholic. That's all I can say. Uh, now, he and Jill, this, this was last week, the 48th anniversary, went to pay their respects to his wife and daughter, deceased, and they just went before the, the stone in the cemetery, as they, as they had been doing for every year they'd been married, and he had been doing since the day they died, and they both said a prayer and paid their last respects again to his first wife and his daughter. Well, what do you think the Republican said? <laughs> he was using his dead wife and daughter as a photo op 
because something he's been doing for 48 years, something that a lot of people do. When I lived in Utica, I went to my mother's grave at least, I did it more than once, but at least on her birthday. And I parked the car and I get out and I go say, hi, Ma. And I talked to her for no one or two minutes, that's all. This is what's going on. Your granddaughter did this or your grandson. Uh, I'm having trouble here or something, you know. And I just have a chat with my mother. That's what people do. But they consider it a photo op in the case of Joe Biden and his present wife, Jill. Uh, remember, my friends, Black Lives Matter, Washington, D.C., uh, what? Two, three months ago, protests in the street. Uh, the White House had a metal fence put up around it. Uh, things were bad. Even tanks were brought in. Uh, it was horrible. Both sides were fighting. The police were involved. Uh, it was a horrible situation. During this all happening, when it looked like uh, the Trump forces, let me say it that way, his supporters were winning, what did you say? You saw Trump and Attorney General Barr, uh, the chief of the Army, and some other political leaders. They walked out of the White House, down the White House lawn, crossed the street because they parted the, the, the protesters, the police, and walked up to St. John's Episcopal Church, which is across the street. And Trump stood in front of the church, do you remember this, with a Bible in his hand, which he was holding upside down, by the way, and held it up in the air. Didn't say anything, just wanted pictures taken. It was a photo op because God was on his side and he was taking control or he felt he had taken control of the protest situation. These guys got brass testicles, I'm going to tell you, Trump and his people, uh, that they would say this about Joe Biden going to his first wife and daughter's uh, graves. Uh, just, it, it's, it's sick. That's all I can say. Now, last Friday, Trump, Rudy Giuliani on the phone, uh, Sidney Powell, Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, President's Counsel Pat Cipollone, and a couple of other people are in the Oval Office, and they had a long meeting. Oh, Michael Flynn. Remember Michael Flynn, the three-star general? Uh, he got arrested, pled guilty to two charges, and the, the president just pardoned him, what, two or three weeks ago. He's there. He's with Trump all the time now. Uh, anyhow, uh, Michael Flynn is saying we've got to have martial law. You know what martial law is? They call the army out and they take over the streets. So all your laws are gone. You got to pay. If they tell you to do something, a cop on the street, you got to. I'm not a cop, a police, uh, uh, military person. You must do it. It's control of the community. It's like the Gestapo did. The Germans did when they took over a city. It was it's martial law, and he's pushing it. Uh, Sidney Powell likes it too. Uh, Flynn wants martial law because he, he thinks all the election machines should be confiscated from this, the four or five states that made up the battleground states because he, he thinks the machines, something was wrong with them, they changed the vote in those states by 250,000 votes in one state. It's got to be crazy. 
Anyhow, uh, Sidney Powell likes the idea. She wants a scorched earth situation. This woman's tough. She sees conspiracy to do this. She's supporting Flynn. Everyone is for this, except for Mark Meadows, Pat Cipollone, and I want to tell you something. Rudy Giuliani said no. I'm amazed that he finally did something right, and he stood up for it. What is the law? I want to make a point. Trump has been talking treason for two or three months. He doesn't use the word treason. He says, we got to do this. we got to do that. He's inciting riots by his people. You must go. I want thousands there to protest. And they come. He's got loyal supporters. No question about it. He is inciting treason. Trump wants a coup d'etat. He wants to take over the government. He doesn't want to leave the White House on January 20th. It's clear. And he's hoping to do it somehow. And I'm going to tell you, he's talking treason and sedition. And so is everyone in that room who were supporting it. And I'm going to say this also. He's out of office. He doesn't have any power after January 20th. He can be indicted for inciting treason and sedition. He's no longer the president of the United States. The, the Justice Department policy of not indicting a president is not a law. It does not protect him. Uh, and he could have trouble with this. And conspiracy to commit a crime is easy to prove, much easier than the crime itself. Which now brings me to General Gustav Perna, two-star general, his whole career in the military service. He is the U.S. Army's expert on how to transport things from one place to another, whether it's a can of soup or it's part of a building uh, or guns or something. He is the export on transporting something from point A to point B, no matter how big it is and how difficult it is. And this is the man that Trump put in charge. He put him in charge of moving the, uh, vi- the vaccines around once they came out. And I've got to tell you something. This guy did a hell of a job. I think he's done a very good job. Uh, and this is the only place where Trump made a wise judgment in appointing something, someone, and I give Trump credit for this also, for the, the good job that General Perna did. And it looked good. FedEx trucks carrying the stuff to the airport on the FedEx airplanes, flying into a community, storing the stuff here, dispo- dispersing it to other places. People are getting shots the first day, the second day. There was a problem, though. It was discovered on the second day that they did not have enough vaccine or to to state it more accurately, there was not as much vaccine in the communities as was supposed to be received. They didn't send enough. They they promised 100, they sent 50 vaccines. That's just an example. They just didn't have enough to send. So there's a screw-up. The next day on national television, there's General Gustav Perna. I felt sorry for the man. He says, I assume sole responsibility for my word now, this follow-up, okay? The president had nothing to do with it. It's my fault. He said it five or six times. It's my fault. I assume responsibility. I can't believe this guy screwed up. This is his whole life doing this. He's not Donald Trump that screws up automatically and generally. He's the guy who knows how to do his job. And I believe he was taking the hit for his commander-in-chief. That he was told, you got to make the president look good. You go out and take the blame. And I respect this general for doing that. I'm sorry he had to do it. Yeah. Now-
Now, the stimulus package that was just passed, isn't it wonderful? People who, 30% of the people in this country can't put food on the table today. It's be, primarily because of coronavirus. Uh, they can't pay their mortgage. They can't pay their rent. I'm, I'm laughing. I'm sorry. They can't make their car payments. Uh, they can't buy new shoes for the kids for anything. <coughs> Excuse me. And they need cash, and especially it's Christmas. Let's buy the kids some toys. And the last stimulus, everyone got $1,200. Every adult got $1,200, and you got so much for each kid. This year, it's cut to $600 with this, not this year, with this stimulus. It's cut to $600. They're cheap bastards in the Senate of the United States. The Democrats wanted to give them 1200 Cheap bastards. I'm going to say it that way. Because they all are going to eat a good meal on Christmas Day. Most of the people who are going to receive that $600 would not have a decent meal were it not for the $600. You know, you ought to look things up. Most people go to the Congress of the United States, whether the House or the Senate, they're ordinary people. They don't, they're not rich. They don't have money. Let them stay five or six years, and they retire, they get beat. They come out millionaires. Why do they come out millionaires? It's a good job. They come out millionaires. They even get free hospitalization. It's amazing. And it's wrong. The $600, they should be ashamed. It's a disgrace. Well, that's my show for this week. I hope you enjoyed I want to take the opportunity, and I wish you a very Merry Christmas uh, in whatever way we must enjoy it. This, too, shall pass, and next year we'll be celebrating Christmas, hopefully, and I believe it, in the fashion we have been accustomed to for many years. So whatever way you have to do it this year without breaking the rules, don't be a fool, uh, do it and enjoy it as best you can. I look forward to being with you again next week.